Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Now today, the Lord impressed it on my heart to teach us about the power of hope. The power of hope what it means for a Christian to live with hope, to function with hope, to relate to the world with hope, to live life with hope. It's an important thing. Because today we have been bombarded with a mixture of doctrines. Some of them are just agreeable to our circumstances, but not necessarily revealing the person of God, who he is, his essence and purpose for us all. And I have watched in pain and pity for believers because of ignorance who have invented doctrines of accepting failure, of accepting shame, of accepting disappointment, of living life less than what God has ordained for them because they were taught wrong. And then they give excuses of why things are not working in their lives. Unfortunately, they beautify, meliorate them and in the name of scripture. And the younger people then who are growing, either who have just received Christ, or have not really had sound doctrine, accept that as standard doctrine. I'll give you an example. You've had preachers say, oh, you know, what do you do when you pray for healing and God says no? You see? And then they caught Paul for the thorn in the flesh. And the messenger buffeted him. But then the question is, did Paul die sick? Or doesn't the scripture tell us why Paul was afflicted? Paul was afflicted because of what? Pride. That's all. You see what I'm saying? Oh, what if God won't heal you? But the Bible tells us of a man who had leprosy once. You remember the scriptures? And he worshipped the Lord and he said, Lord, if thou will, you can make me clean. And Jesus answered that man and told him, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. I will. I want to heal you. Because he's trying to show us that there is no sick person in the world who Jesus does not want, cannot want to heal. You see? The Bible says that healing is a children's bread. That means all of us should believe in healing. Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by whose stripes we were healed. So it's the will of the Father that you live a healthy life. Brethren, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your souls prosper. It is the will of the Father 
that you be well. You see? The Bible says that he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. To know how God has revealed and what really the mystery of his will is. What he has made known unto us according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. That means in every aspect of life, God has revealed to us his will. We know the will of God concerning our finances. For we know that he was made poor that we might become what? Rich. That's a promise. No child of God was meant to lack. We know the will of God concerning children. The Bible says that produce, subdue, multiply. You see, it's a blessing of God for a woman to carry a womb. We know the will of God. He has made known unto us the mystery. There's a secret in understanding the will of God. Because then we understand our expectation in prayer. We define our confidences in prayer. And the Bible says, and such confidence have we that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, the next line says, then we shall have the petitions that we desired of him. You see? So, somebody says, oh, no, no. Me, God created me to be poor. Oh, me, God created me to lack. Oh, God created me to be this. I think it was God's will that I should never carry children. And, you know, people build doctrines around that. Oh, it was God's will for my ministry to be like this. It was God's will for me to be this. But I'm asking you, do you actually understand the will of God? You should know the will of God. Hallelujah. And so we have a group of people who have lived a life of disappointment and defeat and shame because they do not know how the things of God work. So today I came to have a conversation with you on how hope functions and why it's important in this equation to build you the life that you want in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the ninth verse, the Bible says... Even though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we are now firmly convinced of better things that are near to salvation and accompany it. We are persuaded of greater things that accompany your salvation. He's not saying we hope for better things. He's not saying we are trying to believe for better things. He's not saying we are expecting better things. He says we are persuaded. We are convinced of better things that are near to salvation and accompany it. The KJV says we are persuaded of greater things that accompany salvation. And though thus we speak. There are things that are supposed to follow you when you receive Jesus. Hallelujah. There are things that you're supposed to see in your life because you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And Paul says, these are not things that we hope, pray for, try to expect, guess. No. He says, these are things we are persuaded of. Somebody shout hallelujah. And tonight I want to persuade you of something. Let's go to verses 10. Amplify. For God, is continuing, is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labor and the love which you have shown for his name's sake in ministering to the needs of the saints, his own consecrated people, as you still do. God is not unfaithful to forget your labors that you have given in ministering to the saints. Your love which you have shown in the ministry to the saints. In other words, 
Anybody who is serving God in whatever you're doing for service, it's a sign that you love God. Some of you, some of you, and I'm going to rebuke you a bit. Some of you be deceived that because you're in the presence and then the spirit comes over you and then you feel heat and then you say, oh, I love you. You think God is like, oh yeah, I see. I see your expression. You see, it's like a husband telling his wife, I love you. And he didn't provide. I love you. And he didn't do anything at home. I love you. You understand what I'm saying? And he's just speaking things, but he's not able to what? To express them. Love is expressed. You understand what I'm saying? So you cannot claim to say, oh, I love God and you're not doing anything. Oh yes, you might never be like me. You might never stand on the pulpit to preach the gospel and that's okay. You know, you might never hold a camera because you don't know how the lenses work and that's right. But find something very small to do as an expression of your love toward God. That is the only way you can prove that you love the Lord. It's not what you speak. It's not the melting of the affections in the presence. It is the things that you will do to minister to other men. Everything you do for another man, you're telling God that I love you. You see? So now, Paul is saying here to the Hebrews that God is not unrighteous to forget your love towards the saints. In other words, it would take the unrighteousness of God not to reward a man who serves him in the ministry of the saints. If he does not reward a man who serves him, it will only mean or label him as unrighteous. And that is something God is not. God is righteous. So it's in the righteousness of God to reward everybody that serves him in whichever way you what? You serve him. Some of you give, some of you pray for people. Whatever you do, God will reward because all of that is an extension of touching lives. Are you following what I'm saying? But you see, God is trying to emphasize something deeper here. He didn't want you to end there. The next verse says, but we strongly and honestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your faith to the end. Did you hear? Did you hear? He's saying that the same diligence that you have given in service to God, the same diligence that you have given in praying for the saints, the same diligence that you have given in cleaning the church, in playing the piano, in holding this camera, in availing yourself to do security or protocol, in whatever thing you are doing, in street preaching, in mobilizing, in whatever diligence that you give in proving to God that you love him. He says the same degree and magnitude of diligence is necessary to build your hope. That means building hope, developing a life of hope is the same or is required of the same magnitude as it is required to serve God. That's how serious it is to God. Like you're doing all of these things for orphans, like you're doing all of these things for widows, like you're helping the poor, like you're extending an arm to the vulnerable and destitute. He's saying that same degree of diligence to please God because you love him. He's saying... Get that also and transfer it in sincerity through and come to their realizing and enjoying of the full assurance and development of your hope to the end. He's not talking about those events where you're in trouble and then you bring hope up. He's talking about building a life of hope to the end. You are 
constantly a hopeful person. You are constantly a positive person. You are constantly a let's go person. That's how serious it is to God for you to live a life of hope. In Peter, he says, we have been born to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have been born to a lively hope. Our hope is alive. It is not dead. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. And the Bible says, and these three abide. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, charity. That means in the order of importance, the greatest was the last. So if you're to follow the greatest as the last, which was love, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love, that means if the greatest was mentioned last in Hebrew language of the threes, that means from love into hope, from hope into faith. And what is hope? It is the constant expectation of good. It is the resilient expectation, the ungiving up experience or attitude in a man to say that I believe that good will come. Good will always come. Now, it seems like a very little thing, but in a few minutes, you're going to discover how big it is just to build an attitude, an attitude of expecting good. Expecting good to come. And God says, build a life of expecting good. Build a constant attitude of expecting good. That does not mean that days will not come and spell everything ugly and evil. Sometimes you will wake up in circumstances where you don't see a way out. There are days you're going to wake up and you don't see how it will work. There are days you're going to wake up and you will not see how it will add up. There are days you will be stuck and you look in front and it's a wall and on the left it's a wall, on the right it's a wall. There are days you're going to wake up and you're going to check your pockets and there is not a coin for some of you. But even when that happens, God says, expect good to come. That's important. It should be in the way you speak. It should be in the way you act. But he says, expect good to come. It's important to build a life. And God has said, in this, is not just you applying yourself to. He says, create a deliberate attitude. Be diligent in exercising yourself to expect something good to come. And I'll explain why that is important and how it works shortly. He says... In the next verse. Because if you don't do that, you will grow disinterested and become a spiritual sluggard. He says, you should develop your hope to the end, verses 12, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. We have people who have gone through so much. The world has hit you left, right, and center. You started by faith. You believe God. And you know, the pastor preached the gospel. And you say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You got excited. You sent a message to your friend. You even sent a link. Watch this sermon. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I love how people get excited at revelation. Because sometimes I'm thinking, hmm. The Bible says that there will always come something that will try your faith. You know that? Something will always come. And the Bible says that, and trials come on account of the word. 
You've received the word that you're more than a conqueror. Oh yes, Satan is going to come to test that thing to make sure that you actually understood it because he's trying to make you lose something. The Bible says, and those that have no real roots in themselves, they endure only for a little while. But when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended and become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. These are the people God is talking about. On Thursday when you're preaching, she's screaming, yeah, yeah, and I love it. Some of them, even in the dark, they're writing notes. I don't even know how they do, but I don't know when I'm seeing those videos sometimes later, I'm amazed, and then she says, and then she gets up in, and then you hear guys somewhere shouting, Apostle, I love you. And you're like, the word has cut him. He doesn't know what to do. And all you can do is to shout, Apostle Grace. <laughs> and then after the music is done and the lights and cameras are switched off and the chairs are collected together to go back to the stores and the guy sits back in the taxi and gets home and then something happens and the man has no hope he was empty he was just screaming and then the bible says they grow disinterested and some of you who have been in the gospel have seen this where there was this person who used to remind you hey, Man, today's Thursday, but now you look for them. You don't know where they went. And then you sit her down one day and you say, but what happened, my dear friend? You know, eh? You remember that chick boy called Lawrence? He even sits in front in Fanera, yes. What that good boy did to me? And then they start narrating. And you know, I was so broken. I couldn't even come back to church. I was hurt. And then I decided, you know, let me first give myself a break. From what? <laughs> From what? I usually ask them, what has God done? You know, you have people who are just like an insult away from falling off. Small little offense. Somebody says, I came to church. And your security person talked to me badly. And I didn't come back. And you say, eh? So if Satan wanted to trip you, he just needs to put a bad attitude on a security guard and you stop coming to church because of flesh and blood. Some of us should grow up. I'm not going to come. How come they didn't give me that special seat? Bambi in Fanero, we don't have special seats. <laughs> have you ever seen my seat? <laughs> so what are you asking for? Do I have a special seat? You know some people have the throne. Have you ever seen Apostle's throne? He said, my wife and pastor are sitting on the same seats you're sitting on. So you're offended because they didn't give you a special seat? How can you put, hey, that's why you come to church? You see what I'm saying? Process. Somebody shout process. Anyway, back to the story. So he says, because if this thing dies, if this hope does not work in you, you will grow disinterested and become a spiritual sluggard. Yet God wants to be an imitator. He wants you to be an imitator of those who are, who through faith, those who have built a certain, God, I want you to be a spiritual sluggard and disinterested. He doesn't want you to be the kind of person who is in and out. Today you're happy, tomorrow. No, 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 no. That's immaturity, by the way. That's immaturity. Otherwise, some of us would not be teaching some days. Because there are days we wake up and, hey, and <laughs> things are interesting. Are you hearing me? But you need to what? To preach. 
And then out of something, little small thing, someone walks to church like this. It's not the way they walk. But they are just coming to attend. Then they just sit. Then they just give. Then they just stand up. Then they just praise. Then they just worship. Then they just listen to the preacher. And then they just, everything is just, just. You just go. You never know, just attend. You never know, just give. Maybe your money will come back. Good measure, press down, shaken together, running over. Maybe, just, you never know. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, that's not Christianity. <laughs> you must justify everything before you do it. No. No. The Bible says that instead of drawing back and becoming disinterested, he wants you to be imitators, behaving as those who through faith, leaning their entire personality on God in Christ and his absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and by, listen, practice of patient endurance and waiting and now inheriting the promises of God. Instead of being a sluggard and hard and broken and I understand I say those days will be there where you'll be broken but instead he says be imitators of men who have built faith and have practiced patient endurance and waiting and are now inheriting promises he's trying to say God has called you to building a life because you should have hope he wants you to build a life of people who are constantly believing for good to come, who are constantly expecting for good to come and practice patient endurance. It has not come, but I am strong. It has not worked the way I want it, but I am strong. The breakthrough I have not seen yet, but I have not broken. Something in there is telling me that somewhere, somehow, things will work. God says imitate such people. And I told you what imitations are. Because it means you have not learned. At least look at someone who has faith and say, okay, I may not have faith, but let me look at Apostle Grace and see how he does things. <laughs> or your neighbor, that one friend. That is why it's important when you're in the broken spaces, look for a person of faith and take them out for lunch. They will build you. You don't need to tell them your problem. Uh -uh. Just say, you know what, let's go out for lunch and just sit for a cup of tea and talk. When you're next to a man who is eh, lit, eh? <laughs> chances are that they will also what? Yes. The flame will hit you. So he says, be imitators of those who have practiced a life of patient endurance. They are waiting on God. The man has not come, but they are not anxious. Oh, I'm running out of time, Apostle. You know now, I'm making these years. You know, women don't tell their age. Now I heard they become flows. You know, she's in the third floor. Now Smanya have entered the fourth floor, meaning she's 40. But now you've entered the fifth floor. At first, I used to hear them speaking, and I'm like, flow, flow. I'd not clock. They were talking about age. I'm somewhere in the fourth floor. What do you mean you're somewhere in the first floor? <laughs> Say you're 42. <laughs> and then you become anxious. The next thing you know, she's going with a Muslim. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And then they start to pray. 
the man can't agree. He says, no, me, I don't believe in that thing. I don't believe in your God. They can't agree. And then they start to have war. You come to the mosque, no. You come to the church, woo, 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 woo. You see? Pressure. For what? You see what I'm saying? The point is that God wants you to build a life of patience yet enduring. The job has not come, I know. But I'm not going to compromise and steal because I don't have money. Mm -mm. Let me wait on God. He's talking about that point where things have not yet worked, but you don't lose sleep. Can somebody say amen? Things are not where I want them to be. And I know that this thing will break one year, two years, three years. I don't care. But while it is coming, I am patient with the Lord. And I'm enduring. I'm not just patiently desperate. I am patiently enduring. And this is amazing, the language used here. By practice. That means it's a thing you have to practice. You have to practice patient endurance. It is something you have to exercise yourself into until you get to a point where you are a professional. You know what to do. Even when things are not working, you tell your child, darling, we've been here before. Don't worry. I've seen it. It's like in the earlier years of ministry, I had to practice patient endurance on some of the attacks that used to come. Sometimes they would break me and then I sit two hours. Why would this person speak about me? I'm broken. What? Pray for me, sister. So now... You can write a book about me and write a novel and put a library and I will sleep and wake up. Because those are years of practicing patient endurance. They do this to you, you wait on God to vindicate you and he vindicates you. Then they write again and then God again does bigger. And then they attack you and then God again does bigger. Until you say, okay, the more they attack, the more God does bigger. Let's go. <laughs> Glory to God. Patient endurance. You're dealing with a sickness. You have confessed. You have believed. God, I believe. I am healed. And then at night, you wake up. This thing has hit you. You understand what I'm saying? Patient endurance. You're expecting good to come. I know this thing is not going to kill me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, I've not yet felt the healing, but I know what to do. I am enduring. I'm strong. I'm not broken in this. But some of you, ah, I think it didn't work. <laughs> no, that's not the life of salvation. Regardless of how bad it goes under, we are patiently waiting. It will happen. God will come. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know through who. I don't know at what time, which year, which age. But good will come. Good will come. Now, here's the mystery. Read again the last line. They practiced patient endurance. He didn't say they practiced. That means it's an ongoing work. But as they practice patient endurance and waiting, he says, and now inheriting promises. But you see, if you read the Amplified, the word now is in brackets. That means originally it wasn't there. It should have read like, 
by practice of patient endurance and waiting are inheriting present continuous the promises oh, oh did you understand that means as you practice patient endurance you are inheriting present continuous did you understand it i give the mystery of incubation huh? the egg when you look at an egg huh? when a chicken sits on an egg for hours, then it goes away, and then comes back and sits on that egg again. You don't see anything outside happening. Are you hearing? But inside, something is what? Growing. Growing. And all this chicken needs is the right atmosphere to stay warm. It's only a matter of time. One day, this egg will break, but if it breaks from without, you will damage the process. God wants it to break from within. Because the breaking from within is effortless. The breaking from without is too much energy. And not only will you exert a lot of energy, you will destroy. If you break that egg from without, you will destroy. But if you allow this chick to outgrow the shell, are you hearing me? Eventually, the day it will break out. Those are the people you've seen who have been patient and the day they break through. breakthrough they run glory to God and that's what God is saying that means when you say I am believing God and I have stood and I'm confessing right and I'm believing good to come and you switch on don't switch off because the moment you switch off the chicken has left the egg the moment you keep believing and confessing right the chicken is sitting on it now look at hope look at faith and hope like the chicken sitting but some of you today, you're believing, hey, fire. Apostles preach the gospel. Ay, 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 ay. Today's sermon, ay, 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 ay. it is mine. They, the way they own it, that one, ah, apostle, now you have me. You have finished me. It's mine. <laughs> and then something happens. And the sermon is no longer theirs. They disown it and give it to somebody else. You're following what I'm saying? They are inheriting the promises. The process continues. It's a present continuous tense. He's saying, the more you apply yourself to expect good to come and refuse things to shake you, the more you're incubating. The more you are inheriting. So sometimes those inheritances might not be physically seen. But because you don't see change yet physically, that means something is not happening spiritually. Something is happening spiritually. And eventually, you remember when he's talking about the Bible, how we read the scriptures? He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Your profiting may appear to all. You just wake up one day eh, and people can see that something on you is changing. They don't know when or how it started, but they can tell that this woman has been sitting under the word for a long time. That is why some of you understand what I'm saying. When you came to the ministry, you had your troubles. Some things have not yet changed physically. But there's something in there that you don't know how to explain. You have peace. You don't know why you have peace. There were days you used to wake up and you're wearing up to morning. These days you sleep up to morning and you're, you're even late. Hey, incubation. Something is happening there. And God says, keep doing that. Keep incubating. 
Something in there is growing. It will explode one day. I remember in my university days, we used to sit on border borders. And as you're sitting on a border border, you're saying, I'm going to change Uganda. I'm going to shake it. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uganda will fold for Apostle Grace in Jesus' name. We were, f- hey, 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 incubation. Good to come. I remember one day when Mukono preaching the gospel. And then somehow, the power of God moved in a meeting deep in Mukono. And we could not leave earlier because God was moving. And yet I had another overnight to go to. And then when we were done, it was about 2 a.m. I needed to get to another overnight in Kampala at 4. And guess what? There were no moving cars during that night. So I remember the boys that I was with. And I told them, let's get in our Benz and go. What Benz? (laughs) So, we walked about four kilometers or five to get to the next place where we'd get those border borders. To hire border borders to take us to the next place of preaching. And guess what? You're in the dark. Nobody is seeing you. You're hearing... You know, uh, dogs are barking and you don't even know what to do. But just shapa, roko, toko, borodo, zike, re, 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 bogo, sikalapa, rokota, gezilegete, hosa. We're changing the world. We're changing the world. You're walking deep in the village. But something in there is telling you something good will come out of this. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know which way it will happen. But something good will come out of this. I'll never forget the day I was called to preach at a certain meeting somewhere in Garuga, Focus. And that day they were doing that road and it was dusty. So I sat on this bike. Guy rode me to the place. By the time I reached there, I was brown. (laughs) Not that I'm not brown. (laughs) But I was a bit more brown. (laughs) Like I'd used copper something. The women know what I mean. And then I reached there. And the people you're going to preach to have packed Range Rovers, Mercedes Benzes. And then I come off like this. You, your confidence is even a bit frustrated because you're like, now, eh? what am I going to preach to this guy? They've all packed there. They are Pajeros and they are waiting for you. And you're all dusty from head to toe. And then you get the hanky and do like this. And if you look at it, it's like a woman's makeup was. Are you hearing me? And then you preach like you own. Why? Because in there, there's something telling you, good will come out of this thing. Now look at me. Now look at me. Now look at me. <laughs> Glory to God. Tell your neighbor the word works. Now, I drive, I think, one of the most beautiful cars. And I never paid a cent for it. Uh-uh. I didn't pay. God paid. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. So yes, those days will be there where you will sit in your car and even laugh at it. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You'll put on your shoe and say, hey, what's this? But it's okay. Keep hope alive. Just endure and wait on God. Yes, your friends will all get married and say, hey, even this one, even this one, it's okay. Let them go. It's okay. Just tell yourself when I come. I'll be like a bulldozer. Hey, glory to God. 
everyone who will see will say, hey, now she's getting married. The whole nation will shake. That is hope. That good should come. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's continue. For when God made his promise to Abraham, verses 13, now he's giving us the example of Abraham. When God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, blessing, certainly I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. Now, we are going into the narrative of Abraham in how God blesses him. I will bless you and I will multiply you. How can you multiply a man who is barren? Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Now let's go to Romans chapter 4 and see how God did it and how Abraham responded. In Romans chapter 4 verses 17, the Bible says as it is written, God tells Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Let's read Amplified. I have made you the father of many nations. God comes to Abraham. His wife is barren. He is barren. They are in their late years, 80s, 90s. And God tells them, I will make you a father of many nations. And here's a mystery. The Hebrew language does not have a future tense because God belongs and speaks from the future. Did you understand that? God doesn't say, I will make you a great. No, he says, I have made you a great. If you see it translated differently, it is because some are trying to give us English or any other language. But the Hebrew does not speak of the future as something ahead. It speaks of a future as something finished. That's why you see when they're talking about Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he was wounded before he had come for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah is speaking before Jesus comes because God speaks from the future. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's important for you to understand because some of you say, is this God speaking to me or it's Satan speaking to me? This is how you know that God is speaking. God does not speak from your past. Yeah. A woman came to me and told me, Apostle Grace, I have slept with men. I've been a prostitute since I was 15. And then she asked me, do you think I'll ever marry? She told me, I don't think I deserve a born again. Ah, 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 ah. In fact, it's okay if I never marry. I'm born again. I've received Jesus. That's okay. My past, no. I don't think God can give me a good man. And then I sat her down and I started to teach her how God thinks. And I told her, God is not in your past. He's from your future speaking to you. And I can tell you, that woman is married to one of the most born again men I know. He's the God who will see Rahab as a prostitute and say, this is the right grandmother of Jesus. I don't need anything else. Leave that God alone. Speak like a human being, but don't speak for him. And put a man in a place where you disqualify him because of his past. That is not God. Because God didn't live in the past. Some of you are still in your past. You know, I should have been this, but I messed up. I should have been this, but I did this. I should have been this, but I... Hey, 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 hey. Listen. Leave your past alone and allow to embrace the future. So according to the sacred language, you are your future, not your present and past. You are your future, 
not your present and past. Are you hearing me? So you project and say, where am I? President. And introduce yourself. Oh, you see? You see? Some of you are looking at me like this because you're political. You say, how? 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 When they arrest me, Jesus says to this end, was I born? And for this cause came I into the world. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness unto the truth. To this end. God went to the end. And then he came from the future. And then was born. Do you see? So God is in your future. Not your present and the past. Somebody shout hallelujah. And because God speaks like that. He doesn't see your future as something you will become. He sees your future as you are. So if you see that you are going to die, you're dead. Some of you sit on your bed and see caskets, people carrying you, people giving speeches. You're already dead. You're breathing here, but you're dead. Somebody shout hallelujah. But there's somebody every time they close their eyes like this. Let me tell you, even if a man walked to a doctor and they told them, you have two weeks to live. And that man is 22 and they can close their eyes and see themselves at 90. They can't die. They cannot die. They can't die. That is why you've heard of people who go to doctors and doctors ask them, how are you alive? Your body is so sick. And then you also have people who they say, but the man was alive. He goes to the gym. He has muscles. And he just fell dead. <laughs> because death does not care whether you're sick or not. It matters what you placed in your future. Where I grew up, there's a lady, she's my neighbor, where I was raised. She's one of the most sickly, feeble, smallest women I've ever seen. Since 1992, the first time I saw her, she was like this. The wind can blow her. She's very small. Even when she waves, you can see her ribs. But the woman never dies. <laughs> One time I told my mom, that woman can't die. Not that I want her to die. But I was telling my mom, there's something special within her. Something in there tells her you will live. But people have died healthy eating. People who eat vegetables and they train in a gym and... They eat healthy, smile healthy living, they're eating, you know, avocado and white meat instead of red meat. People have died. On our village, people have died. Healthy eating people, best driving people have died. And my woman is still there. <laughs> Why? Something is in there. Somebody said hallelujah. You cannot die outside if you're not dead inside. I don't care what report you have. If inside you're not dead, you cannot die outside. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is within us. Like the other egg, once the life inside is okay, it doesn't matter. It will grow. You might not see activity outside and that's okay. That is why I tell people, when you understand this mystery, your life will never be taken. 
John 10, 18 says, no man taketh it from me. This is Jesus speaking, but I lay it down. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. That means Jesus' life was not taken. He gave his life. The Bible says he gave his life. He wasn't taken. You get the difference. Father, in your hand, I commit my spirit. The day you get to go to heaven, you tell your people, people, I'm going to heaven next week. And you go. But if you're not ready to go, you don't go. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why when you understand this mystery, Sijui, accidents, what? No. 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 Even when I'm in a plane and we have the worst turbulence, I've never imagined a plane going down when I'm in it. People are calling Jesus for me, I'm chilling. Because my life cannot be taken. He was just found dead. No, I will announce. You'll hear me say, I'm going. But until I mention, the devil is joking. No way. Tell your neighbor, I'm not about to die. Not now. I have things to do. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. It was a tragic accident. They were killed in a. Mm, 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 not me. We give our lives, we lay them down. They are not taken from us. You don't die when you're not ready. Hey, you prepare yourself. Even if you're 30 and you say, me, I'm ready to go, you go. Hey, you create space for other human beings. But when you're not ready, even if you're 90, wait. Because with this same body, men live with the same heart and kidneys for 900 years. What are you talking about? That means the human body was created to live. Even after the fall. Adam at his fall could do 900 and something years. Even on a fallen body. What about us? Yes, 78% of our population is below the age 35 in Uganda. And this is why we were not preaching this gospel yet. We are going to create the first breed of healthy old men and women. You're 90 but you're strong. You're 85 but you're dancing with your grandchildren. That is our testimony. We refuse to die young. Somebody shout hallelujah. So let's go back. So Abraham... The Bible says God tells him, I have made thee a father of many nations. In the sight of God, in whom he what? Believed. And I told people, that is the only difference between Abraham and the rest of the Christians. For him, he believed it. Abraham believed it. Many people just don't believe it. But the Bible says, but he believed the God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Because that is how God talks. Abraham could believe God because he knows how he talks. When you hear, I have made you, he knew, ah, this one, I can believe it. Because naturally, he's the God that speaks life to the dead and speaks of the non-existing things. The things that be not as though they are. That is how God speaks. Now, if God speaks that way, as his offspring, that's how you should speak. My children, we have a lot of money. You might not see it physically, and that's okay, but we have a lot of money. You will go to school. Don't say, God will help us. No, 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 no. That's a wrong confession. God has helped us. God has provided for us. On every side, we are provided. 
We have more sufficiency than we could ever need. But mommy, I'm hungry. Don't worry. Food is coming. It is here. You're going to eat. You're going to eat. You're going to eat. Walk back and forth. You'll see what God is going to do. You will see what God is going to do. You will see what God is going to do. I told you of a story. I took this wonderful couple for lunch one day. And I had some little money on me. And then they order food. What a very expensive restaurant. And then they order. And in my head, the order goes beyond the money. <laughs> Yet I'm the one taking them out. And as though that's not enough, the guy on the table is asking extravagantly, uh, no, Apostle is paying. Give me ice cream. Get... <laughs> as a little younger, and then these guys eat, and then I realized, hmm, I think the money I have can pay like 40% of the bill. <laughs> At first, I didn't fear to eat also. <laughs> How was I going to look like? But then, when I saw they were over enjoying, I said, no, let's go. I also want, I ordered. <laughs> no, no, no. If you try this and you don't have faith, go away. Anyway, so they order, they order, they order, they order. And then everything in me is saying, Shakorakotele, between now God to the time of the bill something must happen between now to the time of the bill something must happen between now to the time of as yeah it's okay eat you understand so the time comes my heart is running 360 degrees but i've chosen to believe yeah 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 sometimes the heart might keep running but you've chosen to what and it's okay so i tell the lady please go get the bill in that english please go get the bill after a few minutes, this lady comes. Sir, someone paid. I felt like water had poured on my head. I said, this bill? Yes, somebody walked in and paid. I said, who? No, they walked out. We didn't see them. I told her, go and make sure it's this table. She went, yeah, it's this one. And I told the guy, I'm late, eh? I'm going somewhere. <laughs> I need to rush, guys. But God has paid, hallelujah. God has paid. And indeed, these guys are like, oh, you are anointed, hallelujah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then we stood up, packed what was supposed to be packed. We walked out of that thing. And then I went and sat in the taxi because I didn't have a car. And I said, <laughs> But sometimes God wants you to make that step of faith and hope that good would come. He expects you to say something out of your mouth. To believe God. At least try to believe but some of you, the moment electricity is off here, and now you are going to sit in darkness for a month. I rebuke your mouth. Some Christian, you find a Christian saying, ah, shall we ever build? Mm -hmm. I rebuke your mouth. Shall we ever build? When to God you have built. Are you following what I'm saying? To God you have done it. And you're saying, shall we ever? You see where some of you live? 
So, I have risked, but it has worked. Even putting chairs, and we say, let's put chairs and they come. It is faith. Are you following what I'm saying? So the Bible says, against all hope, in hope Abraham believed. Now, there are instances where you might have hope, but in Abraham's issue, there was no hope. He was old. His wife was old. Everything was gone. The Bible says he against hope believed in hope. I'm talking about that moment where there is no reason, human reason to explain why you should believe. The Amplified says who against human reason. When human reason had gone, he hoped in faith. And it says that he should become a father of many nations. Not that he might become, not that he will become, not that he may become. Understand the language that he should become. That if you should become this thing, you must hope against all hope. You must outnumber the reasons why you shouldn't by the reason by why you should by leaning entirely on what God has said. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to America next year when your mother is an American. She has an American passport. That's not faith. There are reasons to explain how you'll get there. Even become a citizen one day if you have to. But I'm talking about those ones. You have no connection, no network. You don't even have a phone number of one person. I remember one day I was going to a nation. The Lord told me, go to this nation. And then I reached for the interview. The woman looked at me and said, why are you going to this nation? I told her to preach the gospel. Who has invited you? Told her, God has sent me. <laughs> Do you know anyone there? No. Do you have an address where you can be for? No. Then she looks. Shh. Then she turns up this, she's going somewhere. And then I start to rape her. Shika. Maragodego. Zarakotele. I'm telling you, I've risked. And they stamped my passport and I entered. Some of us <laughs> only faith. Only faith. I don't know what she saw but she stamped and let me in. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you will not find reasons. Your money won't explain your finances won't explain your networks won't explain your color won't explain. Many things will not add up. If we try to reason them out it doesn't reason out. But that's where God begins. The promises of God are beyond your reasoning. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, let's continue in the KJV verses 19. He says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead, when he was about a hundred years, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, the place of learning how not to consider. The literal word there is not to look back to examine. Some of you like examining things, eh? That's why you never leave internet. Everything that disturbs you. Itching. Forehead. Causes. <laughs> I know you because you come for counseling all the time. Then I googled it and then I found, what were you looking? What were you considering? What? Do you know, some people google everything they feel. 
itchy scalp. Come on, your hair is dirty. You've not washed it. <laughs> You're about to Google dirty feet. <laughs> Duh. But you understand what I'm saying? God says, do not consider. When God tells Abraham, he did not consider his body. He didn't consider whether he was functional or not. He didn't consider whether Sarah's womb could carry life or not. No, no, no. But the Bible says in verses 20, but he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, comma, giving glory to God. The Amplified says praising God. That's how you know that a man is strong in faith. God has said that I'm rich. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, because I'm rich. Thank you, Lord, because I'm provided for. That's a man with strong faith. The weakness of your faith is defined in the things you examine. Yet you're trying to believe God. You believe God and then you check your account. Uh, 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 uh. You're playing. You're playing. You're not yet believing. Close your eyes from that thing and don't look back. It takes me long to even know how much I have on my accounts. Because I don't just check, check every time unless if I'm trying to tithe. But to know how much, that's not a conscience that I should build in my spirit. Because if I do, I'm limiting God by what I have to do. And that doesn't work. Because God will always do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So he did not stagger at the promise. But he was strong bringing glory to God, fully persuaded that the God who promised was also able to do. Hallelujah, glory to God. He was also able to do. And the secret there is praise. Learn to praise God for what you know is done, even when you don't see it. If the pain continues and you say, oh, thank you. This is a sign that I was healed. That man can die. That man cannot die. Because you're fighting. You are inheriting. You're working it out to agree with where God wants you to be. Now, let's go back to the Hebrews 6, the Amplified verses 13. When God swore to him, I will bless you. And suddenly I'll multiply you, verses 14. And the Bible says, and so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently. You see? realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. And verse 16 says, Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes the oath taken for confirmation is final ending of strife. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan. He intervened and mediated it with an oath. The KJV calls it the immutability of his counsel. To convince you that what I have promised, I will not change. I'm going to promise, but also I'm going to seal my promise with an oath. So when he's telling Abraham to bless you, I will certainly bless you. That's an oath. He would have just said, I've blessed you. But I will certainly bless you. That's an oath. That means every promise you read in scripture has an oath to it. It's not, I will multiply you. It's, I will certainly multiply you. I will definitely keep you. That's oath. Are you following what I'm saying? And so God even swore on his name to convince you to believe his promises. Next verse. Verses 18. 
This was so that by the two unchangeable things or immutable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us or to lie, of which it is impossible to lie. He says, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. In other words, this is the only way we connect to hope. He made an oath. And then we who have fled to him, those of us who are not running to the world, those of us who are not running to science, those of us who are not running to men's solutions, those of us who are not running to carnal interpretations, but are running to him for refuge, we might find indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us set before. In other words, if you don't have faith in the world, but you have faith in him and you go to him for refuge, the oath and the promise are your strengthener. They encourage you to grasp hope because the end of this hope and promise was for you to grasp hope. He did it such that you grasp hope. Why do you need to grasp hope? The next line says, now we have this hope as a sure, steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot sleep. It cannot break down under whoever steps out on it. A hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Why should we hold this hope? Because it says it's the only thing that is anchored to the presence of God. Without it, the presence of God cannot function in your life. Are you following what I'm saying? So that's what he's doing. He had to promise, he had to make an oath that you'll be strengthened and encouraged and empowered only to have enough faith to grasp on hope. Because hope is connected to the deepest presence of God. Without that hope, you have no presence. And without that presence, you cannot function. That is the presence that does miracles. That is the presence that breaks yokes, the anointing. The says the yokes will be destroyed because of the anointing. How do I demonstrate power? How do I know that when I pray, I will see a miracle on a crusade? Somebody will come up and say they're healed. That hope. It connects you to the anointing. Without that hope, you cannot connect to the anointing. You can go on the mountain, fast, pray. But without that hope, you cannot build the right line of faith. Somebody shout hallelujah. So it becomes the anchor into the presence, which is within the veil. But also within that veil, the Bible says, Jesus has entered in advance a forerunner, having become high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In that place, the presence where the anchor holds of hope, Jesus, the Bible says on top of that, has gone there in advance for you as a forerunner. Now, the Greek word there, forerunner, is written only once in scripture. And it is the word called prodromos. Prodromos means one who goes ahead of you to prepare the way. That means in the deepest presence of God... Jesus goes there in advance to make sure when you come in, they hear you. But you cannot come in if you're not held on to hope as your anchor. Yet that hope cannot be built without the oath and the promise. You see how it works. So even what you're going to ask for, Jesus already prepared the way for you to ask for it. He already made the right prayers you need for God not to deny you. Whoa, wait. So then why don't you see answers? Because you didn't know it. You have been frustrating the inheritance every time you drop back into unbelief. But Jesus here goes as your forerunner, prodromos. 
And this is another mystery. Prodromos also in the Greek means first fruit. So you see when the Bible says in Ezekiel 44 verses 30, you shall bring of all your first fruits and the first of blessing the priest, that he may cause the blessing to settle in your house. Those are the two things every Christian should know to do in the church. First fruit and your tithings. What does first fruit do? It goes ahead of you to prepare the way of your success. It says that when you're building a life of success, you will not find hindrance and frustration. That's why we give our first fruits. Prodromos is also first fruit. It's like your forerunner that goes ahead in advance to prepare the right environment for you to trade and succeed in the business world, for you to trade and succeed in the career world, for you to trade and succeed in ministry. We give first fruit as a ministry for Nero every year ever since we started. Tithing as a ministry is an audit issue because I must prepare our way every year. So when you hear us growing, their explanation. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is my heart today. Understand. Understand. Build your life around hope. Build your life around hope. Expect good to come. Some of you have diseases that doctors said will never heal. Some of us have lost our loved ones and we ask God, with this loss, how do we even move on? Don't lose hope. Expect good to come. Some of us have lost our businesses and our careers and some of us were once something and we lost everything and we're back to one. But expect good to come. Just keep in there. Keep hope alive. Keep believing. When service time comes, appear and sit in the presence and tell God, deal with me. I'm here. When you're needed to serve, go and serve and tell God, in spite of this all, I still love you. And I believe that greater days are ahead. Some of you, marriages are breaking, your children are messed up and but you should still believe and hope in God that God will rebuild you again. That is the power that connects you to the anointing that changes things. Don't draw back. Don't draw back to perdition, but believe to the saving of the soul. So let go my soul and trust in thee the waves and wings still know his name so let go my soul and trust in him the waves and wings still know his name help me quiet so let go my soul and trust in him the words and wings still know his name. Tell your soul to let go. My soul and trust in me. The words and wings still know his name. Sing it. So let go. Tell your soul. 
trust God. Jesus, the power that makes things possible is available here today. The power that changes destinies and stories is here today. The power that marks men and women to change this world is here today. The power that lifts men and women out of adversity and sets them on high beyond reproach and pain is here today.
and I pray for that grace to settle on the life of every man and woman at the sound of my voice even those they represent that are not here in the mighty name of Jesus for some it is healing in their body and they receive it now for some it is deliverance I sense witchcraft go 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 every form of witchcraft I command you to leave loose poverty leave depression leave fear leave in the mighty name of Jesus I rebuke fear I rebuke fear I decree that you have a good year ahead of you that you have a good week ahead of you that you have a good month ahead of you that you have great years ahead of you the worst has already happened the best is yet to come give the lord a manifold praise come on clap 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 like you believe what god has done thank you lord if you're here and you've never given your life to christ i want to give you the opportunity to receive him right now you say today i want to receive the lord as my personal lord and savior jesus christ i want you to repeat these words after me say lord jesus i thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today i receive you as my personal lord and savior i'm born again the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.